All right, welcome to the uh, Ocean Water Podcast, the voice for uh, indigenous water rights. I'm here with my, um, one of my best friends today, Adam Watts. And just so I get his, uh, his professional accomplishments correct, I'm gonna let him just go over them real quick. You have the floor, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like getting put on the spot to brag about yourself. I know, I know that goes, goes against how we grew up, but it's a new world, dude. So I need you to just rattle off your resume for a second. Okay, um, well, I was, a, I was a professional MMA fighter. I, I'm a, a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a check mat black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I won, uh, for my age and weight class, I won the world. I'm a two-time world champion, uh, gi and no gi world champion. Uh, I won the national championships twice, and, and I'm a Pan American finalist as well. So, yeah, I also own an MMA gym in San Clemente. And um, I now have been just transitioning from, um, from fighting to more coaching. So now I have a, a professional fight team, a coach team, uh, I mean, amateur team, and, uh, and a competition team as well. So, yes, it's fun life, brother. <laughs> so, so, such, such a good dude. And also, um, uh, you and Mark uh, now own uh, Sir Coffee together in, uh, in San Clemente as well. Uh, Adam's got a, um, a wonderful family with... Um, Julie and Kingston and Kinsley and and uh, it's just an honor to have you on, bro. Um, but let's start with a little bit of fun. Um, thanks for sharing that. I know that's not really your speed, but I appreciate it. Just want to provide a little context for everyone who would be listening, um, you know, just like for the first time. Um, but do me a favor and what's your like your go-to order at your favorite restaurant um, here in town? Man. You know, it kind of depends on which day of the week. I have so many different restaurants I like, and I have my, you know, if I'm training or if I'm not training meals, you know. So when I'm when I'm in the middle of, of training and I'm and I'm really watching what I eat, what I eat, we definitely like to go over to Active Culture and and get like a nice a nice salad or or an organic uh, veggie burger or something like that, which is really good. Um, that's really hard to beat. But then um, sometimes also. Uh, on my cheat days, you know, it's really hard to beat a good guichos, a good guichos, or some meatballs over at guichos, some good Italian food over there. And, or, uh, or when me and my wife go out to dinner, we always, we always end up usually going out to, out to Nick's, you know, it's really hard to beat that too. So those are my, those are my usually, we kind of stick with those ones. And yeah, it kind of depends on if I'm training or if it's, if it's a cheat day. So. I know, my, I know. I know. Julie eats eats clean too. I mean, she 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 runs. Uh, I'll be like out on a bike ride. I'll go like on a twenty five mile bike ride, and your wife will be in the middle of a twenty five mile run. So she she eats super clean and and um, as well. Um, but Adam, do me a favor and tell tell everybody like what you're doing these days, and sort of take a couple minutes, like how you got into it. How did you get into? Um, you know, originally like the MMA world, the jiu-jitsu world, like how did you get into that? Well, originally I got, I was bullied. I was a little kid, you know, I was a little guy that uh, hit puberty really late. And, and so I was, I was just a little runt, you know, when I was in high school, I think I was 72 pounds. I was the littlest kid, I think one of the littlest kids in the whole high school. And Kingston, um, when he was in, in sixth grade, he was like 80 pounds. He was bigger in sixth grade than I was as a freshman. You know, so, um, you know, I got bullied and from there I, uh, you know, I, I wrestled in high school and um, that kind of developed 
and my and then my my stepdad who was just an awesome guy uh ian when my mom married him he boxed he was from england he was a boxer a little guy too as well so but he knew how to box and so he um he started teaching me boxing um in high school as well so i wrestled and boxed in high school so that was kind of already like the mix the start of of my uh of mixed martial arts a little bit and one of the guys that i used to always be able to take down all the time in high school he started jujitsu a little bit before me and we you know we were all we we're all in that nine early 90s era when we right when ufc one and two and three came out so you know we were in the same 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 thing it was like what was that new stuff that's called brazilian jiu-jitsu and uh when my friend actually started doing it before me and i used to always be able to double leg him and i shot a double on him and he got me in a guillotine choke and choked me out almost and, and i was like what was that and he was like brazilian jiu-jitsu my friend and I was like, man, I need to learn that stuff, you know. And so from there, I started training in jiu-jitsu in the, in the late 90s, uh, 95, 96, 97, but really didn't take it serious until like the early 2000s, 98, 2000. And then, and then from there, I, um, you know, I started training every day. You know, and I was in um, – there was very few Americans doing it at that time, you know. So you were just a – you know, um, it was the, the ones that were like woven from – from a certain fabric who could kind of take the beating because it was all Brazilians, you know, doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and they didn't, they didn't really speak any English. There was no YouTube channel where you could YouTube where you can go watch like uh, instructional videos or there was no, you couldn't even bring your record, you couldn't even bring your camcorder into the tournaments to record the matches because they didn't want you recording their secret moves or, or anything like that. Everything you had to learn was either by getting smashed by them. If you were even lucky enough to know a Brazilian to teach you or, uh, or, just things that you would learn like at tournaments by watching and, and, and actually really remembering or sneak, sneaking in your little camera or whatever. <laughs> That's how a lot of it ended up being. A lot of the guys would sneak in their cameras. And then when iPhones came out, that was a big change because all of a sudden now they couldn't force you to keep your camera out. You could record it with your phone. And then, and then all of a sudden the progression of, of martial arts or jujitsu started happening. And then for me, um, I was already teaching jujitsu at, uh, at a place up here in, in um in san clemente and that was called oc dojo and that was way ahead of its time in the early 2000s 2004 um, i actually went up there i got invited up there i was i was training jiu-jitsu already for years now there was very many there wasn't that many people training at that time and i went up there and uh and trained rick bassman who owns oc dojo was he was a, just a famous promoter and manager uh, managed like tank abbott and boss root and don fry and dan severn and and all sorts, all sorts of different um, professional fighters. And I went up there just for a class, and uh, and they came out after one day of rolling, and they were like, Adam, would you like to teach jiu-jitsu for us? And so I ended up teaching jiu-jitsu there. Numerous multiple, uh, pro fighters through the gym. And and, um, and then from there, I, was, I started coaching all these pro fighters. And then, and I was, and then you know, meeting pro fighters here and there on the mat all the time. And, and, uh, and then I was, they, had, they had a boxing coach there, too, was Coach Dan, who's actually my partner now, Coach Dan. Awesome, awesome yeah. guy in the fight world. And um, that's where we met there. And um, I'd always be teaching jiu-jitsu and be watching the boxing class. And he'd be teaching boxing and watching the jiu-jitsu class. <laughs> so we'd be watching each other. And so I started working on my, my stand-up game, perfecting it a lot more, like on the professional level with him. And, um, and then the, the guys that I was training in jiu-jitsu that were already fighting um, and then I would catch and beat, they're like, Adam, you're beating me. Why aren't you fighting? You know, and I was going to school at the time. And, and, um, and then next thing you know, I graduated. And, I, I, you know, 
I got a degree in education and a minor in child development from school. And right when I graduated from college, they had the, like the $14 million budget cut and laid off like 30,000 teachers. It was like, the early, you know, it was, um, it was like the worst time to get into like the teaching field, you know, I was like, man, this is, that's what my profession is in, is, is in and they're just laying off all these people. So I, I actually got into mortgage loans and, and I did it. I, I was actually doing quite well. I was doing really well at it. And, you know, I'm, I'm a people person. I could talk, but I didn't feel comfortable doing that. I just can, I could tell it just wasn't for me, you know, and um, it just wasn't, you know, and, and so I just, I decided that, you know, I'm just going to put all my eggs in one basket. I'm going to teach jujitsu. I stepped away from, from doing mortgage loans and I, and I, and I started fighting professionally, you know, I wanted to get some fights in, uh, and that's how my, my transition into, um, into the fight world happened, you know, and, um, you know, that was, that was, that was a journey in itself. You know, I, I only had two pro fights, you know, but I had a bunch of training camps. I had my first fight and back then, you know, early 2000s, there was no amateur league. So you just went straight to pro, you know, I, of course I had like a bunch of like, like smoker fights where we'd travel at other gyms and, you know, like challenge, not like challenge, but, you know, getting ready for, you'd say it's a sparring match, but it was like basically a fight, you know, and I did numerous ones of those with all sorts of different guys. But my first pro fight was on, <clears throat> on pay-per-view on um, King of the Cage and with like Nam Fan, all these guys that made it to the UFC. And, um, and, um, and I, and I just had my son Kingston. So I was, I, this is what's funny. I'm training at OC Dojo, OC Dojo um, goes, out of business they're 1099 me i put all my eggs into one basket now i'm not doing mortgage loans anymore i basically lose my job at, at oc doge and i'm and i just had kingston my first boy and um and now i'm like okay i have no money i can't file for unemployment and and these guys were going to pay me like you know like you know a good amount of money for this fight and so i was i ended up um i was like you know i'll fight you know so i go to fight and then all of a sudden that weigh-ins the opponent something happens with his with his uh, medicals or something, and uh, and they tell me that uh, uh, you're you're scratched off the fight card, Adam. Since you actually never officially weighed in, it was it never was official, and so we don't actually we don't actually have to pay you. And at that point, I already took money. I was borrowing money from my friends, you know, knowing that I'm gonna get paid some money, and uh, and uh, and then all of a sudden I wasn't getting gonna get paid anything, you know. So I'm sitting backstage, you know, and um, just like just like sitting over there crying <laughs> and, um, and all of a sudden they come up to me and they're like, oh, you haven't left you. Great. They're, they had this guy, I was supposed to fight at 155, but walked around at like 180, 185. But I went, I would fight pro, I'd fight at 155. So it was a 12 week fight camp getting ready for that, you know? Um, and, uh, and then all of a sudden they come back to me and they're like, Adam, this guy at 170, his opponent got injured or he didn't get cleared. His medicals didn't get cleared either. And this is before there was like, there was really rules or regulations, you know, they can kind of get away with this back in the early 2000s. They're like, would you want to fight him? You know, at 170, we'll still pay you what we we're going to pay you. And at that time, at that point, I was like, man, I'll fight anybody. <laughs> yeah. I need this money so bad. I just had my boy. I was just like, you know, so I went out and I, and I fought this guy. And the first guy I was fighting for, you know, 12 weeks to train for him. And, you know, he backs out and then, or whatever happened. And then uh, this new guy fight at 170, is cutting down from like 210 pounds, you know, he's this huge, you know, and, and we get in the ring and I'm, and I, and I, at weigh-ins, they said, you have to weigh at least 162 to be in the 170 class. You can't be, so I had to put, I'm trying to pound water 
now to get back. I'm, I was had to, I was going to make 155s, you know. So now I'm trying to gain like seven pounds of water in like 15 minutes, just trying to like guzzle. I think I put things in my underwear, <laughs> you know, like weights in there, and my wallet, you know, change in it, you know, and um, and I ended up weighing 162. I made weight, you know, but the guy that I was fighting was cutting from one from 210 down to 170. So we actually go out there. Herb Dean's my referee. It's on pay per view. You know, I get out. My parent, all my fans are there. All my family's there. People fly out from Hawaii. Like everyone's there. You know, and um, and then like they say they announced um, the other. They they knew I was the fifth fight, and on the fight card, and they announced the other guy's name, and he comes out. And he's so big, and my my whole family stood up. You know, and then they're like, "That's Adam's opponent. That's a completely different weight class." So they all like stood back down. <laughs> And then all of a sudden they announced my name and I come running out. <laughs> and they're like, wait, Adam's fighting this guy. <laughs> you know, and he was enormous. So I get out in the ring and, and I find out that, you know, I trained for the first guy, uh, regular, the reg, he's the regular stance guy. And, and we get out there and find out the new guy's a southpaw lefty. And I find, and he's like 6'3", you know, and uh, 210. And he put on like 30 pounds after weigh-ins because we weigh in, you know, the day before you fight, you know, it's 24 hours. So he, he was back up to like, you know, like 205, you know, and um, just big. And, and then so we go out in his first exchange, he lands, a, he's a lefty. And I find that out, like when we're standing, facing up on each other, he lands a big old punch and cuts me open. And, and, um, and then he comes back again. And whenever you fight a lefty, you always want to lead with a straight right. So I slipped him and I straighted him and I buckled him. And that was my chance. I should have jumped on him, you know, knowing now looking back on it, it's always easy to be Monday morning quarterback. And, and you know, and look in hindsight of what you should have done. And I had a chance right there. I should have jumped on him and took his neck. Jiu-Jitsu was my, ex was my, you know, was my forte, you know? So I was, uh, I had, I had an opportunity and I, um, uh, but to be honest, I was so buzzed from that first shot. I had like 20 stitches on my eye, it hit me so hard. And, um, it split me. I took a step, I, I should have jumped on him. And I took a step back to kind of like to shake it off. And I was bleeding everywhere. And, um, uh, and that was all the guy needed a little bit to recover. And he recovers and bum rushes me up against the cage and I'm up in the cage. And I try to like push his arms up and shoot a double leg on him. And, and he like times this, like the most perfect uppercut right when I was shooting in and just bomb and, and literally like knocked me out, but I wasn't really out yet. I was on my knees and I was on the ground and I'm looking up and Herb Dean, Herb Dean's my referee. And um, the guy's like, right. The guy's like right here. And Herb Dean's like a little bit farther away. And the guy and the and I and I can't move. I'm knocked out. I'm in it, but I'm not. But I'm frozen. You know, I can't move because I'm kind of knocked out. And 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 Herb Dean's like trying to run to get in between me and and the guy, but doesn't get there in time. And and the guy just gets there right before Herb and lands this boom elbow right on my face. And 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 my head like goes like doo -doo 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 -doo, against the mat in the ground. And and then Herb Dean runs on the guy and breaks him off. And uh, and then I went out cold. I got knocked out stiff cold got taken out in the ambulance on the I, stretcher. <laughs> I have told um people close to me that that adam watts is the best storyteller of 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 anyone that <laughs> that i know i mean we're um you have you have you always have have the best stories you are like this really interesting um combination of world-class talent humility and the funnest guy you could ever want to hang out with <laughs> so um and you you have you have so much to share 
Um, so we'll definitely have like part two and three and four of this. You know, in, in, in the that, I went off on a tangent there. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I, no, please. Please, not, not at all. Well, we'll do, we'll do parts three, four, and five for sure. You have, you have so much, um, so much to say and, you know, so much to offer in the way of lessons out of the school of hard knocks to guys, to, to people that are coming up that are half our age. And that was a lot of the intent of why we wanted to, to start to be a voice in this, in this space and uh, to offer some of those, some of those lessons. You're a teacher at heart. Um, you teach over 150 students. Um, but it, share, share with everybody something that you, a lesson, something that you know now that you wish you knew when you started out. Is there anything that comes to mind? Like something you know? It's okay. It's, it's okay to look bad. It's okay to look bad when you're, to do, when you're doing something new. That was something that I wish... When I when I was um, when I was first starting, I didn't want to I didn't want to let people down. I didn't want to look bad in front of people, you know. And I felt like that, um, you know, like anything. I don't want to be I don't want to be a dork, you know. I don't want to look like some kook out there and be like, oh, I don't want to go surf and then have everyone make fun of me. Because look at that guy. Look how he's look how he's holding his board. Look how he's wearing his. I could just tell by someone how they wear their shorts, <laughs> whether or not they've been surfing, whether they not they can surf or not. You know, and I know what that is like. Or the same in jujitsu. You know, I could just tell the second how they step on the mat, whether or not if they've been rolling or not. So, um, and it's um, and but as I look back on it, it's like who cares? Who cares? You know, that's it. Just comes down to just just having fun and and learning. You know, and what and and earlier in my career, I think that might have helped me back a little bit. You know, because I didn't want to look bad. I didn't want to look bad in front of people. So, um, um, the biggest going back to maybe that MMA story right there. I got knocked out in front of on pay per view in front of all my friends and family, and I got taken out on a stretcher. And I mean, it couldn't. It doesn't get any worse than that. <laughs> I only go up from there. You know. So at that point on, basically, I realized it's like you can't care what people think. You got to just do it. You just got to do it, you know, and you just got to do it for, for you, you know, and you, everyone's accomplishing their own, like they have their own personal fears or demons or goals that they're, that they're want to accomplish, you know, and if you let the fear of looking bad, um, um, stop you, you'll never do anything. You know, I used to walk around, I used to walk around with this, um, poem in my pocket and, and, and it used to say, um, it used to say thousands of bullfighters ranked in rows but only one in their nose. And that's the man that fights the bull. You know, thousands yeah. of bullfighters, thousands of, yeah, thousands of bull critics ranked in rows, but only one in their nose. And that's the man that fights the bull. That's what it was. Yeah, thousands of bull critics ranked in rows, but only one in their nose. And that's the man that fights the bull. Because you know what it is? There's so many people that are in the audience. They're like, oh, look, I've been at so many fights. And I'll be in the stands, you know, just, just, just be a fan. You know, one of our guys maybe fought earlier on the fight card and we go after, go out afterwards, we sit in the audience and there'll be like some guys behind me that are, that have never fought in a life that are like so out of shape and, um, and that are yelling at the fighter in there that are like, this guy sucks. You have no heart. You're all, they're all boo. <laughs> and, and I just want to look back at that guy and I'm like, what do you know about heart? You know, like, what do you know? You have no, first of all, you have no clue how much, like, like how much, like, courage 
and how and and how how much just how much dedication and how much work goes in just to, just to step foot in the ring, win or lose, just to just to have the the courage to just to just to, and the bravery to go into that cage when they lock that door and there's no rules and you're fighting in front of all. It's easy to it's easy to get in if someone something happens on the street and and you gotta and, and something happens you know and there's no thought process that's easy, but when everyone knows and you sign the contract and all your friends are gonna be there and all your family's gonna be there. You know, it's a different, it's a different, it's a different animal, you know? And so, yeah, just, I think, um, yeah, when that happened to me, it made me just realize when I lost, it was like, who cares what people think? Yeah. You can't get any worse than that. You know, and then from that point on, it was just like, you know, I'm just going to learn. I'm just going to grow and I'm just going to do all these things that I want to do. And, and, um, and, and usually the person that has, um, is, is, that is too afraid to, to do anything is um they've never accomplished anything in life anyways you know so it's like they're it's it's like you can't be afraid to start because because basically it comes down to just 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 doing it who cares and just do it have fun everyone's everyone can have an opinion and you can't let it just happen yeah so if i was gonna say if i could look back on something in my life that i could maybe tell myself earlier it's like who cares what people think you know just do I like, it. I like what you said about um you know, not being, not being afraid to start ocean water. Actually, we actually started it at, at fight strong, um, at, on a, on a Wednesday night with like a, just a few guys. It was, it was, uh, you and, and, and me and Bobby basically. And then you invited Jason Lusk and, and it's kind of, it's kind of evolved from there. If we could make, and, and you and I, um, you and I and Bobby and, and some of the guys out of that first group that actually been to El Salvador already twice together. And um, can you just do me a favor and explain to everyone, like, what is your sort of understanding of, like, the, the water situation right now in, in, in the world? Well, definitely, I think um, I think right now it's definitely a big problem, but in the future, it's going to be even bigger problem, and that's where I see a lot of these things. That's um, um, yeah, we're we're helping right now, but also we're planting seeds for you know in the future when you know it's overpopulation. You know, um, I see the people. A lot of people. Hopefully, there's going to be a lot of people are using a lot of pesticides, which gets into our water system and things like that. Which means that the limited limits the amount of clean water. You know, not to get into like a huge like um, like 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 big corporations taking over anything, but I know Nestle is trying to privatize water. They want to basically take over all water rights. You know, turn water into like a, a natural resource, like like oil. You know, and 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 I know that. So they're basically. Um, and this is just from my personal, and I might be wrong, but from what I read, from my understanding, from what I what I've seen, it seems like um, they're like these big corporations work in cahoots. They allow these big comfort like Monsanto and, and all these companies that are these huge poison companies that are using all these pesticides on all their farms and everything, and and all that runoff goes into where? Where does it go? You know, it goes into our water systems. You know, and then their uh, Nestle wants to buy 
uh, all the actually good water and allow these companies to poison these other places where where we actually get our water from you know which basically is going to limit the sources of clean water and the only source only clean water that's going to be out there in the future i think is going to be owned by private companies so with ocean water being on this on this like forefront not only is it you know allowing you know basically getting clean ocean water to you know local indigenous people um but i think it's going to be something that it's going to be it can grow to something way bigger than we even imagined you know and um you know going down there to el salvador which is really cool seeing just just how the people live and and uh and what they go through in their daily and their daily lives and their daily struggles and and you don't realize how you know we here you know in the united states sometimes we take you know having you know um you know like third world problems you know we take you know having water for granted you know and um down there it's like they don't have clean water you know and let's say if you only make you know 100 to 200 dollars a month you know and um and you have to spend you know 70 to 80 dollars a month on fresh drinking water that's half of your salary now you know going down there and you know if you're able to eliminate an expense that's you know a quarter to a third to half of your salary that is huge that is huge you know going down there and seeing you know this you know going i've only gone down there twice you've been down there you know a lot more times than me you know planting those seeds establishing those relationship relationships with the locals you know and you know the really the real cool thing that i saw when i went down there with you is how um you know i've traveled all over the world you know my whole life and and my mom was a flight attendant, you know, so I've been, I've been really fortunate, you know, and I've, you know, I've, I know, I know how, you, I know how tourists are treated lots of times when you, you know, when you go to a lot of these local situations and, and the way you've established a relationship with the locals there and, and knowing they know that you don't want anything, you know, you're giving, you know, and, and you're just trying to, you just, it's all through love and it's all through, and it's all through, it's all through the church and, and through God, you know, and, and they realize that, you know, and I can see other people come. And I think last time we were there, someone, I forget who's mentioned to me, might've been you or Bobby, but, um, but there were some other guys out in the water and uh, we were surfing too with the locals and, and, and they were like, Oh, look at those tourists over there. And, and we were like, are we tourists in there? And they said to us, they're like, no, you guys are locals. <laughs> you know it made us feel good i was like oh man they, they think because we're helping you know we're not just coming to the little town and taking you know we're going and 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 with yours with the system that you've brought and and, and set up with you know with the local community and, and training the local community and 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 it wasn't like i think the first time they thought maybe you're going to take it with you and you're like no you're you're like i'm leaving this here and this is for you guys and and and, and you know it was like a big eye-opener for them you know and now with with this whole pandemic that's happening you know um you know looking back on it it was like seeds that were planting where, where, where it was such a like a blessing in disguise for them because now they're one of the only water sources yeah. from what um in in i think all of el salvador that is getting fresh fresh water you yeah. know and, and they're supplying that whole little village now um with you know with water to for clean their clothes clean their dishes to do all sorts of different things you know and um and it's funny how just one you know god just works in mysterious ways man it's it's really, really cool. So yeah, the, my understanding of the water, of the wa whole water uh, situation in the world is, you know, like I said, I, I tried to read a lot, you know, you know, my understanding might be a little different than, than a lot of people's, you know, some people might agree with me, some people not, might not, you know, but that's just per my personal opinion on it. 
And, um, but yeah, this, I think what you're doing and, and how you're bringing, you know, God and, um, and just love to these, to these little, to these villages, you know, and, and not taking anything, but just, but giving and, and, and establishing, you know, something that is a long-term sustainable, um, uh, foundational piece for, to, for any, for, for any, for any community to grow. It's just awesome, man. I'm just real blessed to be a part of it, you know, and well, the, the, I don't, the feelings, the feelings mutual, brother. I mean, when, when, when you start yours and you're spot on, when you, when you start to understand that the water supply in the world is really trying to be commoditized. In, in other words, yeah, people, that was the word. Yeah. People are trying to gain control. Corporations are trying to gain control of the supply so that they can monetize the water system and, and what we're doing is we're saying, no, um, water is actually an indigenous person's fundamental right. And not only that, but we're going to provide a platform uh, for them to source it. And so, and so what, what, what's happened now, it's funny because, and you're right, I mean, literally after we got done with our last trip, COVID-19 put El Salvador on lockdown. And because we left the system there and had trained some popo, all 38 families that are in Palmercito, there are only 38 families in Palmercito, and all 38 of those families are uh, have the ability to get water from our system. They're taken care of. Uh, Sopapo's been instrumental in all of that, not only providing water for everybody, and but food as well. And when, when you think about Jesus and you think about the church, Providing water and food for people is at the top of the list for, yep. for ways that we can love and help and, and, and serve other people. And it's funny because we actually took a picture of uh, Bobby in, with our system and somebody commented, a friend of Sampapo commented on that yesterday who lives in El Zante where we went and served and, and commented to me yesterday, less than 24 hours ago from when I'm talking to you right now. I live in El Zante, which for our listeners is seven miles up the road from Palmercito. I live on the river in El Zante. Will you come and bring one of these systems to me in El Zante? And so people are, yeah, and that's a beautiful thing. And, and so what, what, is, what, is, what is happening now is, is through, through love and friendship, uh, people are, are seeing what's possible when you, when you empower uh, and provide a platform for people to, to empower indigenous, that's a different conversation. And that's one of the reasons why, again, guys like you and I now wanted to start to step into this space so that we could, we could, we could really educate, you know, and, and start to have this conversation about how important this, this really is, dude. And, and, um, um, man, I, I want to, I want to thank you, Adam, um, and, and, and please, dude, if you'll, if you'll come back on at least a few more times, maybe we'll do once a month with you. You have so much to offer uh, from the School of Hard Knocks and experience. You have so much to offer to people that are half our age now. And, and thank you, dude, for your time, man. That's like one of the most precious things that we can give people these days. Thank you so much, dude. And, um, and uh, any last words, dude? No worries, brother. Yeah, any, dude, I love you guys. But yeah, anything, anytime. Uh, yeah, just basically uh, start strong, fight strong, finish strong, guys. Don't give up.
that's the biggest thing, you know, just don't give up. Um, the, the difference, the only difference between a white belt and a black belt is a black belt is a white belt that never quit. That's one thing I always tell my new students. I'm like, when you walk in the door, it doesn't matter what you do, just don't quit, you know. Um, and that's the only difference between a black belt and a white belt. As a, I'm just a white belt that never gave up, you know. Now 20 years later, you know, I got a couple world championships and, you know, and, and a, couple of, a couple of cool things under my belt, you know. But just don't quit. Learn from all your mistakes. We either win or we learn. You know, it sounds like cliche, but it's so true. You know, win or we learn and don't give up that's that's one thing that i could uh that I, if i could recommend all that's what i say to all my guys and i can recommend if i could recommend anything that's what i would say start strong fight strong finish strong and don't give up my brothers thank you brother ladies and gentlemen adam watts thank you so much brother love you brother I'll talk to you soon love you too, bro. Yeah.